0: All right, here we go. This is the Coach Haas Podcast, sponsored by Sports Rehab PA, Bucks County's premier sports performance and rehab center, and also by BiOptimizers. Mike, tell us a bit about the BiOptimizers. All right,
1: BiOptimizers. So the product I like is the Masszyme Digestive enzyme helps to break down the food so you get the most out of what you're consuming. So if you're a very active individual consuming a lot of carbohydrates, protein, a lot of caloric intake, the uh, digestive enzymes helps to break everything down. So basically getting the most out of it um, reduces some gastric upset, you know, some of the bloating that happens after protein, um, high carb intake really good for traveling. If you're changing your diet, um, different types of foods helps to continue to uh, produce good digestion. They also have a P3OM, which is a probiotic that can be used with the mass size, especially taken at night, uh, helps for digestion overnight, especially for athletes that are using something like casein protein before they go to sleep for recovery. Uh, I've been using the product for probably a couple of years now and definitely notice a difference uh, because, you know, your immune system really is correlated to your digestive tract. Good digestion is important, making sure that we're breaking down the food and there's nothing kind of sitting in your stomach um so that's where you get a lot of energy a lot of uh performance enhancements with that i noticed a big difference is taken it uh, and i know i recommend them to you joe and you've had some good results with it and we've had some other people using it and they're saying they're feeling great so if you are having some uh, gi issues and you want to give them a shot go over to buy optimizers check them out use code juicy for 10 percent off and see how you like it
0: nice nice all right. And so tonight we have on all the way from Auckland, New Zealand, uh, Mike, another, another great find. This is, I mean, you have been doing really do, doing great work, doing great work, finding, you know, people to bring on that are extremely interesting, that are really bringing like forward thinking to what we're doing, you know, No more of this backward thinking. We're we're progressing forward, forward thinkers only on this show. And so tonight we have Jordan Barron on, and he's the co-founder of Exerfly. So we're going to get into it with him, uh, and he's going to kind of tell us about what this is. I've kind of seen a little bit, to be quite honest. I don't know. So my curiosity is going to really be piqued tonight. So I'm really interested to bring Jordan on. So uh, Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for inviting me.
2: I uh, really, really appreciate it.
0: So uh, as we always do, you know, we, we'd go right into it. And so before we get into Xerfly, kind of tell me, you know, what got you into the fitness field, maybe uh, getting into yeah. manufacturing and things like that. Kind of, yeah, I think for sure. bad
2: so, yeah, I guess from a very yeah, early um, young age, we, I sort of played a lot of sport. Um, You know, from football, cricket, um, you know, boxing, kickboxing, and always was really interested. Uh, Firstly, probably, you know, meeting like-minded individuals and, you know, having a lot of fun uh, with my friends and, you know, represented um, a lot of sporting teams as I was growing up. And then through, you know, what I was doing, I always try to keep myself fit. And I think from a mental and physical standpoint, it was a really, you know, passion and it was a great way to meet uh, new people. And that was probably how I met my business partner, Nick. Uh, we actually both ran together and he's probably a great walking wheel- billboard of XFI, um, which I'll sort of go into more detail of. Um, and then, yeah, we really wanted to create something that was a lot different and, you know, had a huge point of difference in the market. And, you know, we'd change people's lives and help as many people as we could. Um, and it could be used by a variety of uh, different people. So that's how it sort of started. Interesting.
0: Mike, I know that this is, uh, you know, this was someone that you wanted to bring on. So I want to, I want you to, you know, go first here with some questions. I wrote some things down, but I know that you had some early questions. So, hit yeah, so up.
1: basically I uh, came across some interesting things on LinkedIn and <laughs> saw um, a really cool tool that was being used. And, you know, Joe and I have interest in this type of stuff because of the athletic population that we work with. We work with a lot of field sport athletes and um, our goal is to eventually get them to be able to express power and speed. And we had an individual who used to work with Joe. He's out in Chicago now. Um, We always give him a shout out because he's an awesome dude. His name is Carmen Del Mastro. We had him on the podcast and he does a lot of this type of speed and explosive training very unique style stuff. And he actually said that he had used extra fly before really liked it. Um, And he likes what it can do in training the body to understand how to express power and speed. So when I saw this, I was like, we got to talk and learn about this and see, is this a cool tool that we can use? Because, you know, uh, I always go on this rant that in the fitness industry, we know social media and stuff. Everybody loves the shiny object stuff. They love the stuff that looks cool and all that. But so they really understand how to use it and who's it going to benefit for and is it appropriate for the type of athlete because certain athletes are going to benefit from certain movements and certain types of training that others aren't so we want to make sure our athletes are not spending time doing something that's not going to benefit them and doing things that's really going to help them express what they need for their sport
2: yeah and um, so do you, you know uh, for um you know the viewers who don't have any understanding of flywheel training it's a constant resistant Uh, so for example what flywheel training is and compared to traditional weight training so if you think of a bicep curl it's you know um, and you take a bicep curl up it's you know quite hard in the middle and easy at the top and as you go down it's quite hard in the middle and then it's easy at the bottom and then with flywheel training it's constantly resisted and you can and it's to do with your force that you put into it. So, for example, if the greater speed that you can put into the flywheel, um, the more force is going to be generated. And it can be used for a variety of different ways. And I think it's always evolving as more and more people use it in terms of uh, different sports coaches, athletes, etc. cetera. Um, you know, the LA Dodgers, for example, use it every day for, you know, maintenance work in the sense of squatting and uh, deadlifts. And then, you know, obviously use it for injury prevention, you know, maybe warming up their throwers and then obviously for strength and conditioning. Um, A lot of taller athletes use it as well in terms of, you know, not having to load up their body um, with a hundred kg squat um, and, you know, having a lot of, you know, sore hips and knees and uh, lower back issues. And yeah, so um, it's been used by a variety of different people, um, you know, and it's, Used by the younger generation to the older generation in terms of fast switch fibers and force absorption. So, yeah, did you sort of have any other further questions? Bob? So, did
0: how did
1: you guys, yeah. go ahead, Joe?
2: Yeah, no, my dad.
1: I was gonna say, so how did you uh, come up with inventing this? What what sparked that?
2: Yeah, so basically, um, my business partner Nick Bolton, he you know he was. Um, running uh, quite competitively in New Zealand and, you know, in the Masters athlete. who was was a Masters athlete and basically he wanted to create something in which kept performing and kept him injury free and, um, you know, could still compete um, because it was really social for him. And we ran together and, um, you know, and he sort of showed me what he was thinking. And we sort of started working on it, and basically we got to a stage. We started working with New Zealand Olympics and the Crusaders, and you know the Crusaders is a you know probably one of the top rugby teams in the world, and then New Zealand Olympics has a variety of different athletes. And he's probably a great walking billboard of ExaFly because you know he was forty-eight uh, this this year, and you know he competed at the national championships and where he came fourth in the one hundred and ten meter hurdles. So. I think that's you know a really good accomplishment for you know Exafly and you know of what we wanted to achieve, and you know some great results um, with other sort of sporting athletes on the world stage, and you know from just a general uh, gym goer to physiotherapists, um, yeah, it's been really really great. And we just wanted to create something that had a massive point of difference and was combining software with with um, flywheel training in which, you know, that's sort of how the motorized concept came around um, where you can select the eccentric overload. So um, basically from one to 80%. So you can increase the eccentric phase and really boost that up. And from an athlete perspective, they can plateau quite a lot where they can actually increase that eccentric phase and increase um, the eccentric phase. And we've seen amazing results uh, because it can be added to the rack mount And it can be used for the platform as well. So a lot of throwers in New Zealand, we have like a lot of shot putters, which can recreate that movement. And then, you know, and obviously eccentric training is really quite hard to do. So if you can do more on the eccentric phase, you can do more on the concentric phase as well. So the the more power you put
0: in is the more Mm. that you get back. So it's that reciprocal coming back at you
2: yeah exactly and then as you put more flywheels on then obviously it's going and the quicker the speed then the forces are going to increase and then so as you increase you know that part then you can add onto the eccentric you know the eccentric phase from one to 80 percent so then for example it's like 101 percent or 102 and you know athletes can get up to i reckon around 40 percent but you know, a lot of New Zealand Olympic athletes used to use gas machines, but they're quite slow. Whereas our equipment's really quick. So you can actually, you know, from a force absorption and fast twitch fibers, you can get amazing results very, very quickly. And in a, in a lot safer way because it's more of the force you're putting into the flywheel.
0: Correct. And that's, so that's something that I see a lot of when uh, athletes are coming to me now mainly what I see is ACL recovery ab- around that you know anywhere from twelve to f- twelve to sixteen week mark coming out of physical therapy. How early on and well, first have you ever worked with anyone recovering from ACL with this machine? And how yeah. early on were you were you starting them with this?
2: I think it's more in the second phase. Um, that's what we've sort of been seeing. Um, you know, I think we've had amazing results in terms of ACL because people can load up the bodies a lot quicker. Whereas if you try and put a lot of load onto someone, um, in the early stages, it, you know, it can be, you know, quite painful to that knee. Uh, whereas in the second phase, they can actually increase the, um, yeah, in the second phase, you can increase that. And it's more to do with the force that you're putting into it. So you can control that speed. Um, you know, it's, used yeah, in a variety of different ways from physiotherapists of how they've been using it so
0: second phase would be consider what would that be the 16
2: week mark or would that be yeah i think it's really dependent on the injury and mm-hmm. sort of how they're um, coming back from it but more to do with like they may do some initial um, resistance work and then get to a, a phase where they can put some sort of load onto it but you know i think and what we've probably been seeing with different physiotherapists is that they all have a different style to it as well because some people may load up a lot earlier but some people would take more time um but yeah we've seen it from an injury recovery perspective uh, used a lot and especially for shoulder rehab as well
1: so for people who are unfamiliar with the extra fly, how what does the apparatus look like? Like, where can you set it up? Can you take it anywhere? Is it something you can put anywhere?
2: Yeah. So we have three different um, pieces of equipment. One being the rack-mounted version. So that's a rack-mounted version. You can attach it to any squat rack. Um, and basically, we've also now just had a slider which um, we've sold out of like, very very quickly. Wow. Nice. And you can attach it to any squat rack. So basically you can attach it and then you can do a lot of horizontal and vertical movements. And so we have a lot of throwers in New Zealand and they can do horizontal or NHL players in Canada or, you know, a variety of different people um, can use it in a variety of different ways from horizontal and vertical movements. And then we have, and you know, the New York Yankees actually travel with that piece of equipment, Uh, as well because you can uh, you know it's quite easy to sort of set up um, and you can attach it and a lot not a lot of gyms as they travel can actually have have flywheel training devices um, and it's becoming more and more of a staple piece of when people travel we then have and you can load that up to inertia of 0.7 as well so you can get really you know quite high with it and you can also add the motorized technology to it too then did you sort of have any other questions on the rack-bounded version?
0: So when it go, you said that it has a, a horizontal and a vertical force, do, do you have, is there a way to get rotation in there as well? Because you're yeah, saying that so the that, baseball teams are using it. So I'm assuming that there's a...
2: Yeah, and so for example, you know, if you're a, a thrower, you could recreate a punch or you could, re, um, or, you know, uh, a throw or you could recreate different things or, you know, you can recreate a baseball, um, you know, rotational movement and you can have a lot of the different attachments to it. We engineered like a rope clamp in which can, uh, you can put three uh, tons through. So, you know, it was never going to break and you can recreate a lot of different movements and have a lot of different attachments with it. Um, and yeah, so we've seen a lot of people, you know, do straight leg, um, type exercises. Um, yeah, there's a you know, and there's a, a lot of creative people as well who you know can put smaller flywheels on and do you know more very subtle movements as well.
1: it sounds pretty versatile.
2: Yeah, yeah, very versatile, especially to you know, your squat rack, which you can sort of, you know, then it just enables you to do a lot of different exercises. Um,
1: you could hook it up where if you squat down. So as you lower down what the, uh, can, how you change the pull? So if I lower it down, will it resistance increase and I got to resist it on the way up or am I trying to pull more as I go down and then it releases, I got to control on the way up? Like, how does that, how would you set it up on the front? Uh,
2: on, on the rack, how you'd set it up or?
1: Yeah, yeah. So basically um, if I'm going to squat down, am I going against the resistance? Am I trying to
2: pull and then trying to reduce up? Yeah, so with the rack mount, it's more to do with, um, you know horizontal and like vertical sort of movements so you you won't be able to do a squat on that you'd only be able to do sort of rotational um type of exercises i see okay um yeah so it's mainly used for um yeah rotational um you know maybe recreating different movements you know chest exercises shoulder exercises um you maybe have the ankle cuff onto it um we've seen a lot of like you know sporting teams and universities use it a lot or you know gym classes and you know people at home because they can get through a lot of exercises very very quickly uh, because you right. don't with flywheel training you don't need to change the flywheels as much because obviously the more force you're putting in the more force you're getting back so everything's sort of relative to some extent
1: okay and so, then, so you're it, saying you just anchor it to a squat rack and that's what you do to say okay i got you okay
2: yeah exactly um and then yeah, and basically you can slide it up and down. And so then you can have it low, medium, or okay. high, or depending on you know uh, the, the holes of the squat rack. Okay,
0: nice, yeah. all right. So, um, go ahead. Uh, yeah.
2: Okay, Jordan. Oh, and then we have a portable device, which is really, really popular as well. So um, this is called the gym in the box. Basically you can attach it to any vertical structure and you can you know, do, for example, the LA Dodgers would use it to you know, attach it to a pole or you know, to warm up their throwers. Or they can use it as a platform, and they can use deadlifts or squats. And then, basically, it's a gym in a box. And it's been very, very popular in lockdown and for athletes traveling. And we created it because of the reason that with the Black Caps, basically, uh, New Zealand athletes, they wanted to travel. <clears throat> um you know they, they wanted to travel and you know they travel for 24 hours sometimes and new zealand cricket team they actually go to pakistan and you know maybe some countries that they don't know what the gym equipment's going to be like yeah and you know so and new zealand athletes actually got really frustrated you know they'd go travel around the world and have to find a gym that was suitable which wasn't uh, which wasn't suitable and didn't have flywheel training equipment and this could just enable to do them a lot of different things just before the competition um, that they were competing in so that's a yeah that's a major time for, um you know reason why we created it um and it just enabled them to have an elite level piece of equipment that they could do a variety of different exercises very easily um and it was very lightweight as well
1: hmm. all right so something for the travel
0: yeah they mm. kind of answered part of my question that I was going to ask but i guess I'm gonna kind of run it through you anyway. Um, So I'm hearing that it's used by teams and things like that, Um, but I'm assuming that COVID almost kind of turned it more into a personal thing for people at home. So you almost pivoted away from what (laughs) you were doing because you were in a demand, like, how did that happen? Um, Yeah, I think that
2: was just a natural thing. I guess I come back to sporting team because it's very easy to talk about and, you know, top uh, brands. But, you know, it's been, I think because of COVID, a lot more people are very interested in flywheel training because, you know, a lot of sporting teams use it and it's like, okay, why a lot lot of sporting teams using it and top level athletes and promoting it, et cetera. And now it's just got more and more popular. I think it will just become more and more popular as a staple piece you know, to keep people injury free from, you know, playing tennis, golf, or, you know, just social uh, sporting endeavors uh, for people. And yeah, we had a huge popular demand, I think, from an educational speed, you know, piece of when they understood how the equipment is used and the results that can back it up. It was sort of a no-brainer for a lot of people.
1: So you guys doing any type of research with it?
2: <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, yes, yeah, so we're doing uh, so we've just actually had a partnership with AUT, so Auckland University of Technology, and they're you know, very well regarded in the sports science um, it, you know, industry. And it was funny enough, we actually got, uh, you know, I got introduced by the Atlanta Braves strength conditioning coach um, for someone in New Zealand. So, and the LA Dodgers strength uh, physiotherapist actually, and said that he was going to be doing a PhD there as well. So that's like funny, um, you know. That I I had to get introduced to someone within New Zealand from the Mm -hmm. United States because, you know, most of our clients and LA Dodgers have been really, really great to us in in terms of introducing us to other people within um, within the space.
0: Sure, and when it's getting results, especially when it when it you know catches on with the athletes like that, they're very clicky, you know. And so whatever works for one and they're seeing results, it's going to spread like wildfire through, you know, wherever. And that was, I was kind of curious about that to see, because I, it it seemed like it was definitely more toward teams. And then because of, you know, and again, there were companies and businesses that, that actually made out very well, you know, during COVID. And, (laughs) you know, obviously there were a lot of unfortunate ones, but this sounds like something that almost spun off into like oh wow we can use these at home we can put these build these in a you know in a home garage i mean mike's sitting in his right now that i mean that extra fly is going to look great on your wall mike (laughs)
2: yeah yeah it doesn't take up a lot of room either so you can do a variety of different exercises very very easily and i think that's the main part is um you can do it very very easily it doesn't take up a lot of room you can actually with a portable device you can flat pack it and just store it away if you need and bring it out when you want. Um, You know, and I think from even, you know, from an athlete perspective and a lot of athletes are wanting to save a lot of time now. And a lot of people are wanting to save a lot of time, Um, you know, and even in COVID, a lot of physiotherapists, they bought it to just rent out so they could actually offer something different and then could actually, um, you know, for people to work out at home. So that was a big, Um, mover as well we really helped personal trainers as well because in terms of a lot of personal trainers weren't allowed to get into gyms but with the (laughs) portable device they could actually take it to a lot of different um you know homes and a lot of different people um you know either to parks or you know to their garage etc um which really helped them um so does it
1: always have to attach to a wall or can you put it on the ground and do stuff yeah. from
2: up? Yeah. So I, it'd probably be easier for me to show you a video and to sort of explain that if that was, um, but basically, um, you know, it's a platform that can be used. So you build up a platform in one, one minute roughly, and then you okay. can take the middle attachment off and with the middle attachment, you can attach that to a tree or a pole or a squat rack. And then you can do uh, vertical and horizontal movements. So, yeah, uh, you can do a variety of different um, movements. So let's uh, see something. I
0: want, yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to see if I can pull it up here. Hold on one second. So.
1: Yeah, because a lot of the videos I saw was really just the horizontal <laughs> stuff, um, coming across the yes. rotation, pitching type movements, but. I'm just curious for some of um, these athletes being able to get from the ground into overhead type stuff. Exactly.
2: So that's, you know, that's probably, a, you know, the beauty of it. Like we have a athlete in New Zealand called Jacko Gill, And um, he's a hundred and probably 140 kg squats, 350 kgs and he put four red flywheels and was going really, really tough with it. And uh, he was okay. going, you know, and he was at pretty much at his limit, but it can fit up to seven red flywheels if necessary. So.
0: Wow. So, all right. So I don't know if you okay. can see so that or not.
2: Ready. So the different wheels have different resistance to them. Yeah. Ex- uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so basically, um, so yeah, this is the platform model. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So okay. this is the platform with the two poly system, but the portable is uh, a little bit different because it's more of like a kit set. Nice.
0: Um,
2: and yeah, so it's like the actual, you know, thing is seven point five kgs, or uh, the actual device, and then you can add the different attachments. You know, so I carry it around at like twenty three kgs with all the different attachments that I add to it.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so here's a once I get curl. I don't know if you can see that yeah, real that, well
2: or not. That's um, that's actually the oh. platform model. Um, gotcha. That's that's the next uh, next one.
1: Have you guys had any luck in trying to get it into? Um, bigger gyms, or is it really mostly just teams and individuals?
2: Well, I think with commercial gyms at the moment, they're probably just trying to get back to it. Um, yeah. I think from a, you know, from a commercial gym perspective, it's probably, um, you know, they would be more interested in the rack mount and the platform uh, because the rack mount from a group setting, you can get through a variety of different people. And then with the platform model, it's a big, you know, it looks like a Ferrari. It's a huge point of difference to it. And then with the platform model, it, you know, I guess from a PT perspective, we've been seeing that, and even the portable, is that you can really increase your prices as well, because it's a point of difference. You could be doing something different to maybe your traditional trainers. And then people, you know, we've got someone in Tennessee, um, Nashville, and you know some people travel two hours just to use the device for, you know, once or twice a week, so. And that sort of shows the quality of the equipment and results perspective as well.
0: For anybody who's listening, I mean, that was kind of, you know, well, you'd have to watch it to kind of see what I was doing on the on our YouTube feed of it. Um, but if you go to exerflysport.com and uh, just go onto the site, you can obviously see some of the videos and understand what uh, Jordan, Mike and I are talking about. Um, But if you're on the YouTube, you can kind of, I brought up the, uh, my iPad and kind of showed these guys and Jordan was kind of going through that. Uh, But if if you want a little bit more of what we're talking about here, just go to the site, exerflysport.com. So, um, but yeah. Yeah
2: yeah no and then there's we have a lot of content online as well so we try and really back that up from coaches to athletes and how they use it um so yeah and really explain of how their best uses of how they've been using it and I think that's really really important I think yeah the the videos look great and then when you try it's even better so um it's uh and we've had some really really amazing feedback over a long period of time and you know, we've um, we've tested it for five years. Um, so it's, and then we sort of went to market and it, you know, we really wanted to have no problems with it either. So yeah, it's gone really boom town, really. And,
0: so and you if we said- to,
1: I was going to say, if we wanted to use it for like a team, how many mm. extra flies do you think we would need? Yeah. I think one if you had like a 20 person
2: yeah. team? I, well, I, you know, for example, the LA Dodgers have two um okay. that they carry around with but um then you know so you don't need because you can get through a lot of different people very uh, quickly because the attachments and with the rope clamp you can slide it up and down and yeah I think for two for their team you know depending on how many people you have you know for example if you're in a gym you're probably looking at four or five because you might have different pods but when you're on the road obviously you're probably not wanting to um have you know four or five that you you know, but I wouldn't be surprised in the future that you know, athletes have it as a staple piece in which they travel with. Um, and we have a few players who do that uh, because you know they travel with it and they can do a variety of exercises in the hotel room or recovery. And uh, yeah, it's but you know, there's the sporting teams that have one or two and there's some teams who have more. It's um, really dependent on sort of what the coaches are wanting as well.
1: So for recovery, um, are you finding that, I guess, a physical therapist or any of the coaches are using it, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to go through the motion very slow and controlled against the resistance as opposed to where if they're going for performance, they're doing yeah. very fast, explosive movements on it? So you can say it has two different variables of how you want to use it?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, two different variables of how you're using it. Some people are doing it very controlled, and some mm-hmm. people are doing it very quickly because uh, if when you do it quickly – you can, um, you can recreate different um, things and you, know, you can put a smaller flywheel on and just have that touch of resistance uh, before you're playing a game, et cetera, as well.
1: That's pretty cool. I saw the girl doing, you know, in the video, doing a split squat. You can yep. have them do it, obviously very slow and controlled, but then if you want to get them, get that power, they can yep. obviously come down and go up fast and yep. going up against that resistance. Exactly.
2: And then, and then I guess if you slow down, then it will slow down as well. So um, yeah. And then we've got like some pretty exciting updates with the application in terms of like having an all-in-one fitness app and Mm -hmm. then having like a coaching and athlete side to it. So with the coaching side, you can, you know, actually program programs into it where, um, you know, have different specifics. And I guess a big thing that we're looking at as well is, Trying to get um, people to work in certain force levels, or um, so that, for example, they're not going too hard, but they're actually getting in the green zone, or yellow zone, or red zone. So, um, yeah. But the app itself has been great because you know a lot of people can actually see what their workout has been doing. Um, and I guess as sport is all about data, it's um, really, really important. Sure. So is that is
0: that tracked? on the actual machine itself where you're seeing the the true numbers or is it coming through on the app
2: yes yeah, so it's coming through on the app so it's called a sensor technology so with the sense of technology you can um you know you have a lot of different statistics from you know average of concentric uh, power time a variety of different things so um yeah and basically you can track your different workouts and how you're progressing and We've got some pretty big updates in terms of, you know, um, in terms of like an athlete working out and actually recording all of that data previously and also in the future and sort of their um, projections. And I think with the, what, you know, we've tried to think of it is actually having an all in one fitness app. So you can actually combine if you went running, swimming, a variety of different ways. So, yeah.
0: That's really
1: so I could cool. basically track metrics. So if I have an athlete doing a certain move, so we build them up and then at the end of the session or however you want, we would have them try to, so say like a split squat, we'd have them try to explode up in a certain amount of time. That thing will track and tell them how fast they were able to get up. And then we could track improvement over the weeks to see, are they getting faster in that movement? And then yeah, saying, exactly that's awesome.
2: Exactly, and then also yeah from an exercise perspective if you were doing bicep curls or you're doing shoulder exercises you can go back previously to see what your progression is so um, that's a really key part and we're trying to make sure that it's like an all-in-one fitness app that can encompass lots of different because we know exercise is part of training it's you know there's lots of different ways to train so trying to encompass you know traditional training and um, you know it's not everything but it's definitely a very key part of training so running swimming a variety of different ways you know maybe doing weight training etc so you can keep it all in one place and have all the different metrics in them
0: where would where would that fit in in a traditional if i walked into the gym and i was you know coming in for my performance training session where would the extra fly fall in, or could it fall in a couple of different spots? Could it be kind of part of your warm up, and then your conditioning, yep. or yep. or also a compound exercise where you're doing say a a deadlift and then you go over and hit the extra fly for power right after? Would that be? Yeah. That-
2: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think you know you can put up a really really low uh, flywheel and you can warm up on that. And then you can, you know, go heavier. Um, Yeah, there's, you know, you can do glute activation with it. You could do shoulder um, activation. There's a variety of different ways. And then you can, you know, get a lot heavier. There's a lot of ways in which you can utilize it. You know, you could do ISO holds. You could do different things with it. So, yeah, there's a variety of different ways in which you can use the equipment. It's sort of dependent on, you know, what your goals are and um, what you're wanting to do. Um, And I guess a lot of people keep learning and, you know, of how they're using it. Uh, We recently had, um, you know, the Great Britain Olympic team, and he's been using it in a variety of different ways from post-surgery to prehab. And um, he told me that they've been using the portable because they're stuck um, Well, in Tokyo. They're obviously in Tokyo and they were struggling with equipment. So they bought a lot of um, excellent portables. And they increase their rotator cuff strength by thirty to forty percent in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, so um, that's uh, pretty crazy. There's, a, yeah, um, it's yeah, and I think it's, um, and I think everyone's sort of learning more about it as they're using it. And um, yeah, it's it's really great to see. That's, that's
0: amazing. Awesome. That is really amazing. Yeah, Mike.
1: Well, obviously, our interest is we want to we want to get something like this involved in our high school collegiate level um, for the field sport. Um, you know, the biggest obstacle we are trying to do is a lot of the kids, at least here in America, they uh, are very uh, deficient with uh, their, their foundation. Um, and Some of them don't have very good neuromuscular control. So they don't even understand how to control their bodies. So sometimes a little bit of external resistance gives a stimulus to the body to know what to do. So sometimes like if you had something like the extra fly where, well, if I pull or i move in a certain, I feel the resistance, I have to control it back. So it teaches them how to control their body. So something like that, I can see being very beneficial in beginning stages for simple things. Um, And then even for for performance, because a lot of these kids, they want to get faster, They want to get more explosive, but their foundation is so minimal. I mean, they don't have the stability there yet. So we're trying to build that up and trying to get them to, to build that foundation so they can get to some of these higher level things that they can perform. But we're really dealing with a, a large population of, um, you know, these adolescents that are just struggling with injury after injury after injury. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a network of using the right components and stuff to help basically build a, uh, you know kind of like a a core program that will help these kids develop better so that's why we had an interest in the extra fly because you see where it could have a lot of this good stimulus that these kids need to teach them body awareness and get the right right muscular control again you know
2: yeah yeah and i think um a lot of people use it for a return to play as well so when they are you know, and that's what we've been seeing a lot is that a lot of athletes and, you know, high school and collegiate athletes have have been injured because they've got sort of rushed into back from COVID and maybe haven't trained properly. Um, yeah, and a lot of people probably haven't trained for a period of time and then getting back into pretty elite sport. Um, yeah, and I think we've been really, you know, uh, being able to help with that uh, quite a lot. And, you know, with a very simple device, you can achieve a lot of different movements very, very easily. So um yeah we try and you know I think uh we try and help as many people as we can and you know really from a collegiate and high school perspective um you know we really want to help them from the early stages you know to their elite stages and we can I know we can really produce some great results as we have shown with like a lot of different athletes
1: are you currently in with any colleges over here
2: yeah Iowa uh, there's also one in San Diego um there's a few other universities um that have bought it as well and you know I think they're sort of getting back sort of to normality a little bit around now so um, yeah there's a few things that there's a few more um you know universities I think yeah they were pretty it was pretty hard for a number of months for them um and probably a few differences over that period but there was a lot of um you know, collegiate athletes who had them at home, which was lucky because uh, maybe they coach and a variety of different people. Um, you know, told us about them. or told 5 about us. So yeah, it was uh, it was great in that sense.
1: Not nothing really on the East Coast right now that sticks out. Maybe uh, maybe we could be a facilitator of that, try to get this yeah. moving in the East Coast over That's here, right. you know, because right. we have a lot, a lot of big universities here that are big with field sport, all this stuff, you know. So, um, yeah. and, you know, as we start looking at human performance and advancements, you know, uh, you're looking at next level training and there are a lot of trainings that are still stuck in like this old school mentality. Like we said, they're backwards thinking, they're still stuck in things they yeah. have been doing in the 90s. And we're like, yeah, we have crazy. to look at, you know, yeah, human uh, progression it's, and performance and, yeah. you know, how we can progress that.
2: So, And, yeah, I think um, especially for the younger athletes, it's actually a lot safer. You don't really want to be putting 100 kgs on someone's back when they, you know, where they could probably produce the same amount of force with a flywheel. And I think that's probably a big thing. And they can actually control their body of how they're, you know, if you think in a squatting position and you've really got to drive yourself up. Uh, whereas, you know, with a squat harness and with a squat belt, it's like really distributed through the whole body. And it really helps maybe if you don't have the best technique as well um, from like DOMS and those, you know, if you have a sort of slightly curved back, which, you know, some you know, younger athletes don't have the perfect technique. Then, you know, it really helps with that and, you know, isn't so sore on the body as well. Uh, but, you know, you can still get a good amount of load through.
1: That seems to be the, um, the, you know, the common theme here is we're looking at how can we maximize performance without destroying our bodies, you know? Yes. And yeah. I, I talked about this, the uh, Ronnie Coleman documentary, and you watched how this guy was multi, Mister, you know, Olympic, Mr. Olympia champion, but he destroyed himself to get there because of all the weight. But now we know, can we get the same benefits of muscle hypertrophy, you know, power expression, without having to do massive amounts of weight that are compromising our joints. So just like you said, you know, um, if I'm looking for some strength and power, can I get that in a way that just, you know, is less detrimental, especially if you're an athlete and you have to compete multiple times throughout a week, what's the best way I could train, you know, this foundational movement without compromising? Like you said, if I'm really sore the next day because I lifted heavy, I'm not gonna be able Mm. to do like agility work or whatever the next day. So can I get that same expression through something that is less taxing to my central nervous system.
2: Yeah, exactly. And as, as you did through your spine as well, that's what we've been finding a lot. And I think also a lot of people who've been training it with it regularly actually get quite used to it. So from a maintenance perspective, they can keep working at it. So I think, you know, I think partly you may experience a lot of DOMS initially because you aren't quite used to the eccentric, a training but maybe yeah. afterwards because of that then you're getting a lot more used to it so that's how you can sort of do the maintenance phase and then for in competition etc
1: now do you guys have any actual like formulated training programs that you found that are really good you can market to athletes say like you know this is a program for this and they would follow that regimen or add it in have you guys yeah. developed anything like that
2: Yes, yeah, so we've had, you know, some really good, you know, I think the great thing about our ExaFly is being able to, you know, we've been able to innovate and really listen to people. And, you know, through that, we've had some really, really strong relationships who wanted to help us as much as possible. And, yeah, we've got some really, you know, elite level uh, coaches from around the world who can write individual programs uh, for individual people. And, um yeah so we've got a huge amount of contacts who can really help with that and i think with the app itself will be more integrated so you can actually select exafly trainers and then they can actually have specializations of what people are wanting to achieve if that may be women in training or it might be um you know strength training or a different variety of things so that's what um yeah and we've got a lot of contacts and a variety of different sporting endeavors so Um, you know you may want to focus on injury prevention or uh, different things and what I try and do is meet everyone and make sure we understand them as a person and what their needs are and then how we can best fit um you know with our equipment and either introducing them to other coaches and that's what we've been really really big on is actually introducing you know top sporting teams to each other or you know different a, a coach to an athlete and actually you know increasing their um you know, network as well. Um, so that, you know, it really helps them in, in terms of, you know, getting new ideas. And I'm a big believer in taking, you know, small ideas and making it into your idea because I guess with flywheel training, you can look at it a lot of different ways. There's lots of different parts where everyone sort of has their own way of looking at it. And if you can take as many little ideas from that, you can sort of go and put it into your idea of how you think the best utilize it and from other people's results etc it's similar to i guess coaching in many ways sure
0: yeah. so I there's somewhat of it there's somewhat of a training library but yet there will
2: be that creativity
0: that the trainer can kind of add to exactly and
2: so yeah we um you know we can um provide different you know workout plans that we have provided. Um, but then we also have a lot of specialist, um, people as well, um, you know, happy to sort of help as well. So, um, and then more on the app side, it'll be more integrated. So you can actually be like, okay, this person's best suited to me. And then from a coaching perspective, that actually allows them to brand themselves so that they can, you know, people can choose them. And that, I think that's a really big a uh, key factor as well is, you know, giving the opportunity to people who have supported us um, for a longer period and, you know, they can be, you know, have a presence on the application so people can contact them.
1: I think that's powerful to be able to have a tool that can be so versatile because if people are going to look to spend money on something, they want to get the most bang for the buck and something that you have endless, uh, you know, combinations and integrations yep is really, is really important because I think where fitness has progressed from is you had stuff that you spent all this money on. There's only so many things you could do with it. Like no one is really yep. outfitting, you know, a gym with all this stuff that like you had, like in the nineties, basically. Now it's yep. amazing what you do with a pull-up bar and a kettlebell, yep. you know, yep. I mean, yep. and body weight stuff and get performance. So to be able to have something yep. like that, that you could be very, dynamic, I think that's very marketable. Yep. Um, I think that people are looking to invest in that because like, wow, look at all these things I could do with this, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've spoken to Ben Patrick, who is the knees-over-toes guy at length. Uh, yes, regarding yes, this. okay. Yeah, he was yeah, just yeah. on
1: the Shrug Collective podcast a couple of weeks ago.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, and and I think it will become a part – flywheel training will become a part of that, and mm-hmm. it will be a stable piece uh, because I think from an injury prevention and, you know, a walk of life, um, yeah, and I think Ben uh, is a big believer in that too. So, um, yeah – I think it'll just become more and more popular as people more understand it. Uh, but we're, you know, in the business to help as many people as we can. And, you know, and we try and show that and very passionate about our equipment as well.
1: That's awesome.
2: So Jordan, I have a, it's a
0: three-piece question here. We'll uh we'll yeah. go slow. We'll go slow. Okay. Um First one I always like to ask is uh, what is your what's your biggest obsession right now? What's what's the
2: biggest obsession is one always helping people and always putting our best foot forward and I guess innovation as well. So always wanting to get better day by day and uh, striving for perfection. Um, You know, perfection from the moment I speak to someone to the moment um yeah and that's basically always trying to get better always trying to innovate uh, trying to have uh, a product that people go wow at um and say they're really good people and really look after you so and just yeah putting your best foot forward every day by day and um i guess as a team trying to do things differently as well um yeah that's um i'd I probably describe us and and yeah have a smile on your face and be positive and yeah, just be, yeah, and really listen to people. So that's pretty. That's it. awesome. Uh, so how about what,
0: what, what's keeping you awake at night right now? If anything, there's got to be the something. Zoom, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah, when I get to sleep, I, I sort of cark it out because I've worked <laughs> so much. But um, probably the emails that I've missed um, or the emails that when I'm asleep and thinking about the emails that I'm not getting to, <laughs> um, that'd probably be my uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I have I wake up in the middle of the night and check my emails just to make sure that um, not missing yeah, anything, <laughs> but, yeah, not missing anything, and um, yeah, that's that's probably uh, my biggest wake up at the moment, and yeah, just wanting to grow something that people are proud of to be a part of, and it's a really strong community, so um, yeah, and I'm really passionate about it, so really want to. Yeah, put my best foot forward and i know with our team is you know they're all very good people and wanting uh, the same thing
0: nice all right number three what are some of your success habits
2: my success habits um being positive being around like-minded people who believe in your vision who want to be part of your journey who want to be feel you know they're part of something special um feel that they're involved and i think it's you know surrounding yourself with people who are going to encourage you to be the best version of yourself um that's probably my success habits i think going you know using xify every day um that's probably a success (laughs) of having a good feeling and um yeah eating well and just you know, even if you're maybe having a bad day, think how lucky you are, and you know that you're on in the world, and you can do some pretty special things. And you know, not every day is a bad day, and you can really turn it into a good one.
0: That's right, amen to that, Mike. As he's as Jordan's talking here, I'm thinking three people that we've had on, we could literally build a badass gym with badass athletes, with an fly, a Kaler Core, and the Inertia Waves. Forget about it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Forget
0: about it. I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, just right there. I mean, and you've taken up what, maybe six feet of space?
2: Yeah. And I think that's, it's going to be really interesting in the future of how I think as this gets more popular, there'll be more like flywheel training gyms. So I think what will happen, uh, we will, you know, you'll have like a small little room and you can have different you know, different flywheel training equipment and, you know, someone can go log in, do a half an hour workout and they'll be done. So um, I think that's going to be a big thing um, for, um, you know, for extra and, you know, potentially you could look to have exafly fly gyms as well. Uh, but I think it will just become more and more of a staple piece in commercial gyms and utilizing small spaces,
0: now, have especially you in of,
2: office spaces, etc.
0: Have you thought of a way to track, like heart rate along with that or kind of yeah join up with somebody
2: working on it uh, so that'll be the next phase uh, with the application so we want to create like a health app like it's an all-in-one health app so you can actually log in and it's not just to do with x it's actually to do with nutrition it's to do with um everything that you you know from a health perspective, um, you know, when you should eat, when, you know, if you worked out and, you know, having it logged in all in one place, you can actually do all of these things. So that's sort of the vision of it and making sure that it sort of combines with other things. So it's not limiting yourself to just one direction and we're really collaborative. So, you know, um, happy to sort of collaborate with different systems and, you know, different ways and uh, making sure that it's, you know, helping as many people as we can.
0: Fantastic. Mike, take us out.
1: I'm very excited about this system. Um, I think it's very easy to get overwhelmed with all the stuff that's out there. I mean, there's a thousand exercises. There's, go on Instagram, you see people showing all this really cool stuff. But again, it comes down to what population you're working with and what's gonna benefit the most. And, you know, you have all these different systems, like, you know, we have that uh, Kaler co- column system, we have the inertia weight, TRX cables, you know, there's all this different stuff. So it's really, um, I think to create a program is you could find what, uh, what area you could kind of put, you know, all these different things into the program. You know, um, can we, you know, develop something where you have progressions using these things to create a stimulus? And then, like you said, you have a gym where you have all those components and then athletes know when and where to use these things. Um, And then training just becomes so different, you know, and and just having an understanding how to use that. So I think uh, the sky's the limit with this. It's uh, I think we're pushing into a whole new realm of health and fitness. Like you said, a lot more talk about monitoring uh, heart rate, you know, and understanding our, our central nervous system, our recovery, our efforts. Uh, really trying to maximize human performance. And that's really the direction that, you know, we're kind of going. Um, I think that's really exciting. Um, so we're glad to be able to kind of bring you into what we call like our network. We kind of really uh, look to cherry pick who we're bringing on the podcast because um, we say as to every guest, if if we put all of our guests in the same room, everybody would have a great conversation and have loved networking, like you said, because everyone is like-minded and we're all trying to make a difference, but everybody has a different piece that they put in there as a different weapon on how they're going to get to that, that goal. So I think if you learn how to implement all these into a big program, you're going to kind of create this, what we call like a fitness Mecca of really helping to get people healthier, you know, pull people out of this, this rut of just um, poor habits. I mean, especially in America, we've accepted a lot of, a lot of poor status as normal. I mean, and as a physical therapist myself, I mean, what I see in the clinic is really upsetting. I mean, people can't do the basics and they have accepted that as normal. And it's just, it's not, it's not acceptable and they want a fast fix and they want to get back. And this is like years of poor habits. So we're trying to change that curve. You know, we're doing a lot with the adolescents. You know, I think it's a shame that a lot of these young athletes are dealing with these injuries like ACLs. Um, you should be able to play a sport and have fun and not have to deal with this, but it's like, every other kid is dealing with some injury. So anything we could use to build an awesome system to help change this curve and try to promote a a better future for these kids and just for the population, that's really where we're going. So um, it's going to be awesome to keep you as a a contact, Jordan, and we definitely want to move forward and explore extra fly some more. So, uh, yeah, man, it's really exciting. We uh, we are definitely interested in this.
2: Yeah, really keen for you to try it out and, uh, yeah, get using it because it's a lot better using it than, uh, just talking about it as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a- yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jordan, where, where can, uh, where can everybody find you, uh, on social media?
2: Yeah. So just X um, on Instagram and then www.x sport.com. And then, yeah, I'm very, I don't sleep a lot, obviously. Um, and then yeah, up at most hours. So it can be very easily contactable and a very, you know, for me, it's all to do with like, um, developing uh, really strong relationships um you know meeting new people making sure that how i can benefit them and make their lives easier um and obviously from a performance perspective you know injury perspective and yeah um and just very very hands-on in terms of um you know meeting new people and being part of the exercise community and if anything that i can do just to help them achieve their goals that's what um you know I, I like to do and uh, really try and listening to people. And if I can introduce you to some of my contacts, happy to do so.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Michael, where can they find you?
2: I'm
1: on Instagram at the honey badger underscore juicy for all the great content and training and physical therapy. I'm on LinkedIn and Mike St. George, and those are two places I'm most active.
0: Awesome. You can find me at coach underscore Haas, H O S. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn at Joe Haas, and also on the YouTube page at Coach Haas H O S. And uh, again, we want to thank Jordan Barron from Exerfly, the co-founder. This is uh, one of the new amazing tools out there. So I, I'm, I'm kind of honored. Mike and I are are like really at the at the forefront of this because it still sounds like this is still like it's still gaining a lot of a lot of speed here so we're we're at the very beginning of this so i'm kind of excited uh to see where this goes i want to get on more myself and uh jordan again this is uh this this is a pleasure i thank you so much
2: oh, thank you thank you so much for your time and yeah i look forward to speaking with you soon yeah cool
1: definitely we're out of here more. All,
2: right, all right boys have a great night
0: yeah all right cheers Okay Mike So tonight's question we have For the 15 minute juice is My son is almost 3 months Post surgery from ACL He's hoping to be released To run next week What's your experience with this time frame He's doing great He does get sore after physical therapy Sometimes but he pushes himself He's a lacrosse player And will be playing in college He's going crazy Not running at this point and or working his lower body. So, what is your input on that?
1: All right. So we know that within even the time frame of the ACL being able to become vascularized, um, and actually become a, a ligament instead of just a graft, that does not happen in the three month mark. Um, that takes a little bit longer. You're probably looking at you know closer to after that, nine month, ten month. Um, It takes a while. So regardless of of mechanics, we have to respect that it's not really a graft yet. It's still healing. So any, um, you know, aberrant forces or stress to that joint can compromise, you know, the integrity of that. Um, And then we also have to look at obviously mechanics um, and how stable the foundation is in any of those single lance, single leg stance patterns lunge patterns, split stance, those things that replicate the foundation for running first. And then you have to be able to make sure that, you know, the eccentric and concentric control, such as with like plyometrics loading, is pretty stable um, without those. So there's a lot of prerequisites that have to get there before running. Um, And we really want parents and the athlete to understand that, that even though they're working hard and they're doing well, that's great, but it doesn't mean that they're ready for running. There's a lot of uh, foundational uh, components that have to be in place first before we get there. So, um, I think that's the hard thing with the surgery is that with the recovery, you might be feeling really good, but, um, you're not ready to do some of these movements yet. It's almost like a waiting game. We have to just be patient, continue to solidify and work on what we can. And then when the time is ready, we'll start implementing that. Uh, and usually uh, an athlete that has a really strong foundation can progress through those things a lot faster. Um, so that might be maybe introduce some plyometric loading, um resistance loading and stuff earlier than some other athletes, but then again you still have to respect the healing time. Gotcha.
0: And but this has kind of been a question that we've you know been going back and forth with that we had Trent on the podcast. Um and you know, it seems to be like is this actually we talked to Dr. Sewards about it as well. Is this a criteria based thing? Is it a time based thing? Um, you know, we're, we're seeing people that, uh, that are four months or even almost 16 weeks that really aren't prepared to run yet. So, uh, it really just depends on, you know, each athlete that's coming in, but uh, you know, they, they should be hitting certain marks prior to doing that. One of the questions I did ask Dr. Seward's was, should they be able to jump and land first before running, right? To land two feet. Cool. Can we do that? Then, what does it look like when we start to get into that single leg linear bound, maybe a little bit of a lateral bound, then go into the running what is your What is your take on that
1: yeah uh, running is is really just repetitive single leg hopping if you think about it, so you have to make sure that those components are good before we do that so not only can they demonstrate um, you know good execution with the concentric so you know the loading and pushing off and then the eccentric you know the uh, landing portion of stability But now can we replicate that in the shapes and positions that mimic running? So a lot of it will be looking at the athlete actually do running mechanics And what's happening there because they might do really well with a single leg hop and a landing But then when we have to actually run some of them might not really know how to run, or they might do some weird things to try to run. There's a lot of motor control that goes into running. So there's a lot of mechanics that we will train and exercises to do that will facilitate the certain muscle uh, firing patterns for running. And then we'll look at them and, and train that. And we'll start you know with small, maybe like turf shuttle runs, maybe some treadmill running, and see how that looks before we just kind of release them to they're running. So I think there is a little bit of criteria where we have to look at, okay, time frame you know, X, Y, and Z should be healed and and able to handle the loads at this point. And then we have to look at the other criteria in terms of what are they demonstrating. So everything is healed and ready to accept the loads, but can they demonstrate the ability to have good form and technique with that before we do that? So I would say, yeah, that's how we kind of progress it. So we start with the foundational stuff and then into the very
0: specific type movements. Gotcha. And as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of the different progressions to that. So... Would it be we jog first, then we run, and then we sprint? And then where would those three kind of fall in? And, and, and Because, again, with, with sprinting in the ACL, it's definitely late stage. So I would say, obviously, sprinting would be like your phase three. Would running be your phase two and then jogging then be considered phase one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would look at doing the running mechanics stuff first. So there's some uh, drills like you could do. There's, like, some wall running drills. Um, there's some other things, like, I like to use some like, a lunge position, pushing up the single leg. And then going from there, we could try doing just light jogging and seeing what's happening with that light loading. Um, and then going back and forth, maybe on, like I said, like a, like a small turf area. And then also kind of um, releasing them and maybe trying to go for a little bit of, like, a longer distance. So maybe if they're doing, like a 30-yard limit, now have them do like 50 yards, 70 yards, at a steady pace and see what's happening. And then have them do that repetitively. I'd like to keep the pace the same and see what happens as they continue to do it, what happens with some fatigue. And then we'll kind of go into running a little bit more, a little bit faster, and see what's happening and kind of progress from there. So um, you also can do some running drills. Like there's a lot of like ace skipping and hopping and putting things like that, which for someone who's not familiar with that, it's basically being able to um, – hop on one leg double time and then switching to the next leg and it kind of translates to that reciprocal bounding that happens off of each leg so looking at that so there's a lot of basic drills to do first to simulate that plyometric loading before we're able to go into like a full-on sprint you know so i would do that first and i would keep the speed and the parameters stable first and then i would go more for like the time and the fatigue and see what happens there and then we could try to increase the speed and see what happens with more of that loading more of the velocity
0: Gotcha. So with the running, could we use that uh, that device that you talked to me about, the app, the Metronome? Yeah, I mean, the
1: Metronome is a good place to start. I mean, every athlete's a little bit different. Some people who are taller or shorter might have a little bit different cadence, but it's a good place to start to get them to start thinking about foot placement. So every time the Metronome beeps it you that the foot should land, foot should land, foot should land, and it cues you in your head to keep driving those hips up, knees up, and it basically prevents that shuffling, that laziness. So it's something to kind of keep in your mind to turn over, turn over, turn over to really promote those mechanics. And you could do that um, on the turf. You could do it on the treadmill. You could do it with a wall running drill. So they have to lean forward, press into a wall, and they have to reciprocate, flexing one hip up, flexing the other hip up, driving forward. So a lot of things you could do to start uh, reinstituting those mechanics um, there are a lot of individuals that just don't know how to run, and you let them go, and they're just doing a lot of weird things. So they might be really good with the exercise base, but then you release them into the movement
0: specific, and they're just not good there. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, at this point, so at three months, they're going to you know try to get into that time frame of of, of running. Um, but if I'm getting some. Anterior knee pain. There, uh, it's not significant. Like, call it a pain three on a scale of one to ten. Uh, what would be some things then that they would, you know, w- that you would be looking at? Like, if they were experiencing some kind of anterior knee pain,
1: well, we have to look at the movements that it's happening, um, and then we have to look at, you know, where that load is coming into and what's happening there. You know, is it the initial movement? Is it when they're breaking down the fatigue, and then start correcting those first? And, you know, a little bit of pain is a yellow flag and we want to keep it there. We don't want it to get to the point where it's a 10 out of 10 pain. We want to catch it early, you know, and that pain is kind of telling your body that something is wrong here and this is not a good learning environment, so don't keep pushing that movement. Let's reassess and see why that's happening. You know, we have to also differentiate, you know, is there, um, is it actual sharp pain or is this pain that's maybe some tension or some loading onto the joint and the muscles? Sometimes people uh, perceive the muscle tension, some of that uh, stress from the exercise, muscle fatigue, as pain. And and then, you know, we have to differentiate between that. Is this, you know, the difference between that the muscles are being really worked or is this actual like a sharp pain because the structure is being overloaded? Gotcha.
0: Now, also, I guess the same thing would apply then to the back of the knee if they were having some kind of discomfort there. would that be potentially a cyclops lesion or a popliteus type of issue on the back end of the knee then? I kind of get into that a bit. Yeah, I
1: mean, the cyclops lesion, you'd probably catch that way earlier before they even start doing any running in those movements. You would notice that when you're doing some of the range of motion stuff. You would see they wouldn't be able to get the full extension. That would be a red flag early on. So the goal is to uh, clear that up before they even get to doing some of these things. That's communication also with the surgeon. If you notice they're not getting that full extension, if they don't have full mobility, range of motion, there's a lot of things they probably should not be doing, especially higher level. So they're just going to compensate. They're going to shorten that range. You know, They're also losing that knee stability. The knee naturally you know, locks out into extension for stability there. And if you're missing the last five degrees of extension there, a lot of things you probably should not be doing because you need to put extra stress onto the joint, extra stress onto the quad. That could cause some other issues. Um, Popliteus is something that kind of pops up. You know, that's another thing that can happen. You'll see a lot of that with, uh, you know, accessory motions, instability, hypermobility in the joint Um, When small accessory muscles like that that help to rotate the lower end of the leg like the tibia. Um, especially coming from unlocking the knee from uh, a flexion into extension. Those movements, when muscles like that are working a little bit extra hard, that's telling you that the other prime movers and, and stability muscles are not doing their job. So you want to address that. So you want to you know, release that muscle, make sure it's not a- aggravating, um, and then you want to maybe dial back what you're doing and start with uh, some of the foundational stuff before you progress. That's definitely not a pain you want to push through.
0: Got gotcha. you. And then uh, just to kind of touch back again with the, uh, the running, what, do we, what are they typically at that three months? What type of running would they be doing as far as is it distance? Is it time-based? How do, how do you determine what type of running they're doing? Is it well, distance or time?
1: Well, if they're three months, I mean, they probably wouldn't be running at all. It would be too early. Okay. You know? So even if they, could, if they could demonstrate really good stability, and they're a very advanced athlete with a really good – base on that's strong. Say you have an athlete that just got hit traumatically and it wasn't even really a non-contact, maybe something like that, and they're just really strong, really stable. We're going to try to look at progressing the drills that are going to reinforce that. We want to be really careful with the type of loading we're doing. So I wouldn't have them run them, but I would do a lot of the drills and things that will maybe simulate that plyometric load and see how they are there and just continue to prepare them, prepare them and make sure that they have that solid foundation. So when it is time to run, they'll be able to basically hit that ground moving really fast mm-hmm. um, in, in those progressions with the actual running. So I'll build up that foundation first, but I want to release them for those running things. Or, you know, you might even, if you have the ability, have some of that technology, like maybe an Alter-G Alter treadmill that unloads them, you could have them do some moving mechanics and that. But really you want to be cautious with how much stress you're putting in that, because you have to understand the graft, you know, that, that is still healing, and it's not even really a ligament yet until it's fully vascularized. You want to be cautious with that. So, um, really, again, just mimicking those positions and those shapes that are gonna simulate running, you know, and try to make sure that those are all sound before we release them to the running movement. So, I say again, at three months, they wouldn't be doing any running stuff yet
0: yeah. gotcha yeah now you're you're talking about um the running with an alter g now that it's summertime, it just got me thinking, uh if someone has a pool and they're around three months and they've kind of hit all their check boxes, so to speak. Um, would you suggest that they kind of run lightly in the pool and use the resistance of the water to kind of uh, kind of represent like the alter G? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get resistance in the water. I mean, when you're moving forward, even though you're
1: unweighted, trying to move your legs through the water, the faster you go, the more resistance. Um, and even if you are a little bit shallow... I would probably have them do movement mechanics, you could do some standing marching in place some things like that um and you could definitely work some things in the uh in the pool that would just be great for core and hips as well um you know and you could do some of those things so yeah, I mean it might be hard to simulate actual you know uh running stuff in terms of like the actual speed and mechanics that you would get on an alter g, but you could stand there and you could do mechanics like working hip flexors, working, you know, the dorsiflexors, working core stuff against the resistance of the water in an unloaded controlled environment, and you get a good workout in the pool. So, I mean, that is an option of stuff
0: that we could design for athletes as well. Awesome. Well, I mean, that should answer that question about the three months post-surgery and running. That's your 15-minute juice for tonight. Yeah, man. Good shit, Michael. Yeah, good question.